There we go. Morning, gentlemen. Wasn't that awesome? I just, I love it. I love it. Well, it's good to see you guys. Uh, I'm sure a few more will drift in because they're visiting and coffee and everything else. So, um, it is, uh, it's good to be here. Isn't it just good to eat and be together as men and just talk about things that men deal with and work through that stuff? And um, I'm just curious, to the guys here in the room so far this morning, how many is it your first time ever coming to a guy's morning out? Okay. How many are coming here that you would just categorize, and this is kind of a broad statement, so think for a second. How many of you are coming here this morning that you don't have close buds that you're hanging with? I love it. Great. Men, classic. Okay, so half of the room. <laughs> so that's, that's perfect. So I love it. Um, if we could, let's hand these out. Um, if you don't mind. Um, the amazing thing about how God works is uh, the harmony of this kind of morning. The very first passage that I was going to open to this morning was, and everywhere in the Bible, was John 10. And I had not talk to Brady at all about what I was even talking about. Um, any of you guys read regularly or familiar with Streams in the Desert? Streams in the Desert? I mean, anybody? It's a devotional. Okay. A couple of my peeps. You know, we're, we're <laughs> on that. Okay. Oswald Chambers? Yes. Ringing a bell? Yep. Utmost for highest? That's another classic devotional. Um, a little less, um, it's a, Streams of the Desert, just by the very nature of the name of it, is a little bit more um, sombering, you know, tone. A little bit more melancholy, but there's a depth to it that I don't necessarily say most people, if you're flying high and going gangbusters, it may not be the best for you, but as you enter... Maybe the wilderness season, or it could be the dark night of the soul, as some would say. Or it's just you're finding yourself deepening in your relationship with the Lord. It is a collection of writers written a hundred years ago. And in that collection you find just the richness. Imagine a group, if we had a lineup this morning of 25 to 30, 80 to 90 year olds, and they would share one or two maybe three things that had impacted them in their journey with the Lord, and put that in a collection of a book. That's Streams in the Desert. Yesterday morning's devotional topic came from John 10. That message yesterday, the Spirit prompted me, which conditioned this time this morning with you men. And then, here Brady's talking on the very same thing. It's it's not surprising to me that here we're talking this morning about um, uh, just being a spirit-led man. And uh, the topic for this morning is just, I want to offer this as a leadership perspective. Uh, every man in this room is a leader. Uh, whether you're running a multi-million dollar international organization or you're a father 
or you're a student or a husband. You are a leader. God has put his spirit in you, and from your unique design, God has given you influence wherever you go. Whether you're Matthew, my nephew, at his school, God's given you influence wherever you go. And so it's from that what I want to just uh, offer a perspective of. In light of John 10 and reading through some of these, uh, uh, through this exercise this morning, uh, what I, really where I would like to go with this, because this really, as Pastor Brady said, he wants to basically spend the next, this year, going through um, his teaching series under a theme. They've asked me to possibly share over the course of this year, you know, alongside. This is a year's worth of material. <laughs> um, my, you know, if Brady needs 15 counselors, I'm probably a guy who needs 25. I think I'm probably the most high-maintenance guy here in this room in terms of, you know, needing counsel in my life. And part of it is just because of the way I'm wired. Um, and that wiring is really important for us as we talk this morning. Um, guys, I sat, got up at 5.22 this morning, and uh, we'll start it yesterday. I spent an hour with the Lord, and, and I'll say this, and this almost sounds cliche, but just receive it for what it's worth. The Lord opened up my mind and deposited this idea into me yesterday morning. Okay, Lord, how does this get expressed to the men this morning? And in this morning, I sat down and typed this whole thing. Now, what that tells me is my temptation is i got to burn through this material because you got to get it. And I confess that's a temptation. The reality is here, there are different men here that are going to connect at different uh, places because of where you're at. Whether you're uh, in school or you're retirement and you're looking at what that ne next season looks like. Um, what I wanted to start with was a little bit in light of where I've come from in my last year. Uh, a little bit of who I am. I'm Matt Daly's friend uh, who just walked in the room. Um, oh, there's Matt. Great man. Um, been married to my sweetheart, Carrie, for 17 years uh, this month. Uh, we have, uh, oh my goodness, there's my friend Vance um, and Pete. Uh, Carrie and I will celebrate our 17th year. We are blessed with three amazing kids, two of my uh, princesses, my sweethearts, um, Ellie and Bethany. They're 10 and 12, entering those mixed-up teenage years. And then my Dennis the Menace boy, Grady, who's turning six, that we picked him up from Russia five years ago. And that was quite a story in itself. So I um, have a disease called entrepreneurship. I'm a fifth-generation entrepreneur. And uh, my great-great-grandfather was actually the guy who designed the boat, then built the boat, and then brought the crew together, and then brought half the community over to, uh, from, from Holland, and they settled in Pella, Iowa. So um, I've got a bit of that in me um, that still gets expressed today. So I started my business 15 years ago. Uh, I 
work in the office furniture market. And that truly is a tent-making model for me to be able to work, function, stay in the marketplace, interact with uh, salty people and uh, colorful folks. <laughs> and uh, from that, um, the overflow of that allows me to spend time with you men. So I'm excited for that. This morning, um, after particularly last year, uh, was a very challenging year for me. And one of the big themes of the year is what I wanted to start with today. Um, I, maybe you're like me. I'm a little bit challenged when it comes to sermons and guys who speak. You could get Billy Graham up on the circuit, and, or you could get whoever, and ask me about it next week, and i got to just really think about it a little bit. So I'm very aware that you guys might not remember a single thing that Russell said this morning, and I'm really okay with that. But the one thing that I would like to have you start getting your mind wrapped around is that God, is, God has called you out as men, but particularly this morning as leaders. He's given you influence, and he's called you for a purpose to influence others. But somewhere in the character of who you are as a leader, you are governed by either fear or faith. While you guys are thinking about that, let me put some other terminology on that. For us as business guys, who are a little bit motivated by the bottom line for a number of reasons, um, as we enter into business, we have a typical motivation that is warranted, but it's transactional. So we spend a lot, a lot of energy on the transaction. Versus, is that really our motivation? Or is the reason God's given us the ability to conduct transaction is because we're really in the business of being transformational. That God's given us through the transaction and means to the end to interact with the relationships involved to be transformational. Another category. Uh, this hits a little close to home. Um, I'm in... Uh, if I can spell. Thank you. And they gave me a wonderful whiteboard that is balance challenged. Some of us enter the marketplace or school, whatever our, whatever our um, daily work is, is that we find ourselves governed by a survival mentality. Versus God's put us here to serve. This morning somewhere you guys are on this continuum. Which we all say, yeah Russell I get it. It's obvious God wants us moving in that direction. Are you more governed and known for as a man of faith? Or one of fear? Now fear is a big old word. And we can go into a lot of detail on it. But... A category may be, am I, I grew up in a home that, you know, my daddy didn't really tell me he loved me very much. I didn't really hear from my daddy that he was very proud of me or whatever. So that sets me up as a man to say, by God, I'm going to earn his love. I'm going to earn his pride. So I'm going to outperform everybody 
because he's going to see what a great man I am. And so you have this drive, this inertia, this momentum as a man. And suddenly you wake up one day and you say, I'm skilled, I'm talented, I'm enthusiastic. You know, I'm educated now. I have a nice house. You know, I'm driving a nice car. I got a beautiful wife. You start setting up these props. And for you guys at, in your teenage years, in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, the challenges with that as we get older is those props get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we all know, men, that those props have crashed. And that is when we see the beautiful work of the Lord on our behalf. But so much of the... When I left this time this morning with Brady, the word that kept resounding in me, just as he was talking about the counsel of Scripture the counsel of wisdom that comes through men in life, the counsel of peace. The word that really governed, governed that time in my mind and thought was protection. Is that God wants to protect you. And you go and engage in that kind of counsel before the crisis or afterwards? Well, the way it kind of hits sometimes is it's sometimes after the fact. Kind of like I stood right here a year ago and, or so, and, and if you can imagine, I sat here quiet, somberly, and talked about silence and solitude to men. I did a pretty good job, for, but it was a little out of character for me. So, <laughs> but we were talking about spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines is a bit, the, really the idea of that is it's preventative. To get that in you so that it's protection for when the time of temptation or trial um, or hard times would come. I have no idea where this word hits you this morning. Most all of us are governed by some level of fear. God has invited us into relationship that um, miracles happen when we become men of faith. I started with a couple questions this morning. Ironic that here we are, have a picture window, window of Mount Hermon and some of these places that I've been out and seen. And, and um, you know, we're all, every morning, at least most of us, if we're looking out our windshield, we see the big mountain. I don't think about it every day, but a lot of days, I, I think about just the significance of that mountain. And I just wonder this morning, just as we anchor our time, or as you anchor your time here this morning, man of fear to the man of faith, what is the mountain in your life right now? It could be financial, it could be marriage, it could be some crisis that is your mountain. And I want you to commit to it. If you got a pen, I don't know if they gave us pens or not, borrow one from a buddy. I want you to, I'm going to pause, and I want you to write down that mountain. Whatever that is right now, whatever is governing your thinking, going to bed, waking up at 3 in the morning, whatever it is, write that down right now. Yeah, you bet. Most guys are not 
oriented without a little bit of training and conditioning for reflection. So let's just assume we're all pretty lousy at it and we're starting from square one. But just let's take that idea for a minute and step back out of the circumstance. Step back from the pain and the stimulus, whatever that is, that is haunting you, that is governing you, that has got you locked up in fear. And if you were to have a conversation with yourself, picture yourself 20 years from now, older, wiser man, what would the older, wiser you say about that? What, what do you really think about that situation? The thing that's consuming you anxiously or worry, whatever, what would you say about that? Now I prompt that question because um, I want to spur that on for y'all to continue thinking about that afterwards. And then really the big question is the third one, is what do you think God thinks about your problem, your challenge? What is his perspective? I really like to eat. I really like Cracker Barrel. Being from Georgia, I can, I can chew it up with a little bit of barbecue, sweet tea. Get a meal around me and I can tolerate just about any kind of conversation you want. Over the years I've spent time with men and one thing I've observed is there's this threshold of where a guy's at. He's either stuck in his rut or whatever, but there's a crisis coming, at least for the redemptive man, the man, the Christian. There's somewhere in the process that as I've sat back and watched men in their journey, that somewhere along the line there's a breaking point to where he finally says, enough, I can't handle it anymore. God, take this burden and I put it on you and I just want to rest in your love. It is the moment of salvation. And we get to experience that hopefully every day to some degree or the other. I prayed at seven years old for Christ to come into my life, but I've had many days of salvation since then. Do you know what I'm talking about? What I've observed in men as a witness to that process, as a brother and a friend in that process, to see what's going on, is men are blockheads. Any blockheads here in this room? We can't see beyond our own nose <laughs> of what to do next. Because it takes so much energy to finally get to that place where you just lay it down. And then you go, what now? Well, I, I don't have a clue where to go next. What do, what do I do? And that's what's been interesting to me to see that with guys. They don't need to be dictated to. They don't need to be, you know... Um, this, doesn't, this morning doesn't need to be an intellectual exercise for you because the collective wisdom in this room honestly blows my mind. God has, you guys, this is a redemptive community right here and if we were to collect stories of how God has worked in and through you guys, it, just, it blows my mind. But yet, you guys are in interesting situa situations. My nephew just went through a little bit of a community crisis with a little girlfriend, <laughs> and it's fun. I mean, not for him, but <laughs> but then you go on up, you know, the age, 
guys in the 20s and 30s and 40s, the stakes get higher, it gets harder, and it's somewhere in this, wherever we're at, we're waking up in the morning going, Lord, what now? What do I do? And um, this, this grid, guys, please, um, if you can look past, look past the, um, uh, the cutesiness of the P words, okay? I'm one of these, a picture's worth a thousand words kind of guy. Let me tell you what this is, okay? Um, I sat down, as I, as I said earlier, and I just started writing. And God, as I read the scriptures, the Lord opened up my mind to some ideas. This wheel, it looks cutesy, looks like something we got out of some college leadership book or whatever. This wheel is very personal for me. This wheel represents my last year and the story that God has written on my life through the pain of going from here to moving in the direction of becoming a man of faith. Um, if you guys have a, a, a pen or pencil, and I don't mean to be gimmicky about this thing, but uh, as I was thinking about this over the last 24 hours, in that circle, you have a point in the center, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to draw a shorthand and a longhand of a clock. And this image, this may be for one guy in the room, and that's it. Um, but that shorthand and longhand potentially represents, that hand is constantly moving, representing time, that there may be an expression of every one of these categories for you on a daily or weekly basis. But the shorthand that moves slower, obviously, may represent the season that you men are at over the next month or two, or three, or this year. Is that there may be a time where God is clarifying who you are as a man, Bill, as a person. And so he's really got you in that place. But as the, the wheel continues to turn through the course of the, your day, you have a plan, you're a man of action, you're putting that thing in place. But the shorthand continues to move, and next thing you know, you wake up, and God's put you in a position of leadership that you have to um, respond to. Do you guys follow my train of thought with that? Okay, um, let's take a break from that and let's jump into a passage that I think will give us a little bit of scope with this. Okay, my sweetheart gave me um, something I wasn't expecting for Christmas, stocking stuffer, I love her wives, how they just kind of whether it's a little bubble gum or a pair of socks, whatever the stocking stuffer of the year is, you know. For me, she saw this thing. Um, it was a copy of the message by Peterson. I've read some of the message on and off for years, but it was a super small New Testament, five bucks, copy of the message. Well, for me, in my routine, I've never actually sat down and read through the message. So I just started that this year, 
of just reading almost story-like through the New Testament message. And it's just so refreshing for me. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it necessarily as a study Bible. It really is story. But when you get into the story of that translation, it opens things up. Well, earlier just this week, here I am reading. And let's go to that passage um, in Matthew Matthew 17. You guys need a Bible? Got a couple extra Bibles here. Okay, so the setup for this. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, they've been hanging out for some time. They've already gone out. They've done some work, two by two. They come back. Jesus has been healing uh, people. Uh, crowds are still gathering. Interestingly enough, his top three guys, Peter, James, and John, has just come down from the Transfiguration. Most of you guys know that story. He's up on the mountaintop. It's sort of our retreat category, right? Most of us men here have been at some kind of retreat, mountaintop experience, right? Where you're on your high, and uh, it's really great. Well, these guys are coming down from the hill from that, and like typically most retreat experiences, something happens. So, we're at uh, Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now, most of us in this room are dads. Now, you can, you can, you can push on me. You can do whatever you want to me. But you touch my kids, I'm coming after you. You know that response, dads? <laughs> right? This is a dad who's there on behalf of his son pressing in. There's no, there's no pride in this man. For all we know, this is the governor of the town. We have no idea. He could be an established business guy. It doesn't matter. All we see is a dad who's pressed in on behalf of his son because his son is in pain. So, you guys see the setting? you guys get the heart of what's going on here? Okay, then Jesus responds. Unbelieving and pers- uh, perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon It came out of the boy, and when he was healed from that moment... Then Jesus, then, sorry, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? So we have the first scene going on with the dad and the son, and then Jesus is like, again guys, come on. They've already been out on the road. They've already got some, they've already got some things going on. The disciples have been active, and they've seen the power of God work, and they come back befuddled. We already thought, you know, we've seen some healings, and some things have happened, but what's the problem? We can't, we can't, you know, we're not seeing anything happen here. Why are we having a trouble with this? And Jesus is a little bit befuddled with these guys or frustrated because it's like you still don't get it. So he replied, verse 20, because you have so little faith. If I could interject in my thing this morning, you got some other stuff that's blocking your faith. For me, it's fear. That's my word. 
I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this Pike's Peak, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. How many of you guys this morning, and whatever you wrote down, feel like you have an impossible situation? Now, whether the circumstance really is impossible, there's something going on on the inside of you. Anxiousness, fear, where you feel impossible. It feels impossible. Where you're almost, the circumstances don't even matter anymore. You're so crippled with the impossibility of it that you just can't even see how you're going to get out of your situation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My last year, um, first time ever in my life I was in the fetal position. And that's coming from a strong guy. I'm a business guy. Good dad. Great husband. You know, made a lot of money. Live in a nice house. People respect me. What in the heck is Russell doing in the field position? And I was so governed by the threat of my circumstances that I shut down. That somehow the avalanche of my circumstances crippled me in a moment of fear. Now for you guys in your 20s and 30s, it's like, well, Russell, okay. For you guys a little further along, you know that feeling whether you're in the fetal position or not. The tenderness of my sweet wife began the process of opening up things and got me moving again. It was hard. But one of the things that was the greatest gift out of that moment last fall when I found myself in that place is, you know what, men? We're not made for that, are we? God didn't make us to sit there all day. There's a gift in the process of coming to the end of ourselves. I was at the end of myself. But the revelation that came for me from being in that place was that, how long can you really sit there? I mean, some guys, you can stay there 30 minutes or 30 days, but at some point you got to get up and you got to get moving again. And I love that because God wants you to move. For the first time in my life last fall, I was such at an end of my rope that my in-laws were buying me groceries. I had pastors giving me gift certificates for food. And I would say, ah, I'm going to give this away to somebody else. And they're like, don't you dare. This is for you. This is me, a business guy, whatever. Never struggled financially. Really. I mean, really. But down to food and groceries? Are you kidding me? That's the greatest gift of God. To come to the end of myself. Because then you see God begin to move. So what's going on here with a man pleading for his son and Jesus responding with indignation towards his disciples to say, come on, do you see this man? You guys got it in you to move that mountain. We all wake up tomorrow morning and the mountain's been moved. Oh, Brady Boyd must be praying. Bill McPherson must be praying. Sam Cameron's praying again. That mountain just got moved. Wouldn't that be cool? How many of you guys have seen a mountain move? 
getting Russell off that couch was a mountain moving. This guy with his son falling in the fire and being healed of this was a mountain moving for this dad. It was a mountain moving. It was the miraculous. Men, how many of you need a miracle in your circumstance right now? God is the God of miracles, but why haven't we seen it happen yet? Because he's wanting to do something in you first before he begins doing it through you. This morning's talk is about the character of you as a leader. This whole exercise is just me processing publicly, just scripturally. Yeah, this is not my journal entries, thank you very much, you know. <laughs> but this is me processing. I sat down this morning, God gave me the grid yesterday, and I sat down this morning, and when I looked at these words sitting at my table this morning, this is just wonderful. God opened up the scriptures to me and I began just putting in the blank. These are the questions that I was asking over the last years. Guys, this is a ton of work. This is a ton of work. Well, Russell, I don't have time for that. I've got to go make sales. I've got to go manage this. I've got to study for my test. I don't have time for this, Russell. Are you kidding me? God measures our production whole lot different than we do. How many of you guys want to work half the time and see twice the results? Me? How many of you guys know what it feels like to work twice as much and get half the results? <laughs> I know that feeling. For me as a business guy, I'll tell you, being a spirit-led man, the most profitable deals financial deals I've ever done is when I was on the backside of Mount Hermon driving up that road and taking a moment and praying Lord, what do you want me to do today? And God said, I want you to call this guy in Rockville, Maryland. What? what? I want you to call him. What? I haven't talked to him in four years. You know, on the way back down the mountain. Then I want you to call this guy in Seattle. What? I haven't talked to him in two years. And both these two men on that day said, I can't believe you called me. We have this thing happening. And I'm wasting my time hanging out on the backside of the mountain in the morning. Gentlemen, we have a screwed up view of our the in, our th in our theology of work. Let me tell you, Matthew 17 was a productive day in the household of this family. Imagine the inconvenience of the father trying to work, do his business, and the mom come running out, and the wife saying, Oh my goodness, little Joey's jumped back in the fire again. Ugh. What an inconvenience. Now he's been healed. God's view of your leadership has to do much more with the character inside of you than the results of your work. Now guys, 
God's view of leadership. I don't know exactly how I said it because it was brilliant, but, you know. <laughs> Anybody want to repeat what I just said? God's view of your leadership has much more to do with character. Yes. Thank you. It's an inside-out way of thinking. Um, the issue with the disciples that morning was Jesus had an issue with their faith. He wanted in them, he was less concerned about the result from their work or labor. But he was saying, man, if you just believe me, you're going to move that mountain. That guy's going to be healed. You're going to move that thing forward. Jesus steps in the boat with the guys meeting them for the first time. Hey, you lay down your nets. Oh, my goodness, we've been fishing all night. I mean, really? I mean, we got to let I'm tired. And next thing you know, after a long night of nothing, all of a sudden, boats are breaking, nets are breaking. They couldn't even haul in all the fish because of that. And did it have anything to do with the fish? No. Because after that, when they're on the shore, and everybody's still catching their breath, Jesus said, now I'm going to call you out and make you fishers of men. And they never forgot that moment. So, anybody like Eugene Peterson? Anybody? If not, you need to get it. One of his books is called Eat This Book. And there is this little obscure passage in Isaiah that talks about a lion. Who's just got an appetite. And he's got to eat. And man, when I see that, and I read that, and I read Peterson's work in that, he's talking about, he, he refers it back to his dog. And I have two beautiful golden retrievers, and those dogs know how to eat. Right? So, and remember, I like to eat too. So I get the whole eating thing. And so the title of his book is Eat This Book. Right? This book is meant to be chewed on. It's meant to be digested. It's meant to be worked and worked and worked like a dog works a bone. This morning, men, I want to challenge you with the idea that wherever you are in this flow, and again, I, I want to, if you're here next time, I really think that I need to go in deeper on each one of these things in, in other talks. But this morning is sort of an introduction that wherever you find yourself this morning, if you're struggling with who you are as a man, your identity, the person of who you are, then for me, there's 25 other places you can go on sonships and identity and who you are as God's son. But for me, Russell, God ministered me to the most of memorizing and working through Psalm 139. My daughter memorized the whole thing this summer. I was just camped out there. I was chewing on it for months. And it's in that Psalm 139 that God revealed some things of what he thinks about me. Position. Who am I leading? What am I doing? John 10. Brady was just there this morning. There is some insights in that passage that will blow your mind if you're willing to, to, to skip the fast food line, get in your little snack pack with a prize. You know, that's not what this is, okay? This is Thanksgiving meal, brothers, right? 
Some of you men know what I'm talking about. I want us to be men of the word. I want us to be men that are knowledgeable of the word. But more than that, come back to me. Not that I read through the whole scriptures or I did whatever. That this is systematic or pragmatic or whatever. But you are a man that grabbed a hold of something. And you held it as your own. Get excited. Alright. Flip over. Brady was there. Let me bring it down for you. Philippians 4. Let's look at this thing. How many of you guys are ever anxious? <laughs> if not, you're lying. Alright guys. So, what category did I put this under? Peace. There you go. Thank you. Peace. Somewhere in the process. This is my 3 a.m. verse. Okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm a good sleeper. Man, I love to sleep. But occasionally, there are moments you roll over, your wife talks, said something, and you're like, what? And you wake up. Whatever it is, it has you up. I wake up. This is one of mine, not everything. I've got some others. But for me, the, the discipline of taking hold of this passage and making it my own is in me to the depths that I wake up with an anxious moment that would cause me to sweat in my bed at night where I am governed by that anxiety. That this is my Jesus in the wilderness type experience. If you know Jesus in the wilderness, how does he respond when the temptation comes? Do you remember the three words? How does he respond? It is written. This is my 3 a.m. wake up, tempted, anxious, take me out, lose the rest of the night asleep. It is written. Be anxious for nothing. With everything, with prayer and petition, supplication, there's a process that goes with that. One thing that Brady didn't really highlight, do you guys know what petition is? I don't much either, but I know it has something to do with writing. So, prayer, you're taking it in to the Lord. Petition. Petition, if you have to actually write something down on it, you've got to actually think about what it is. What is this thing that's causing you to be anxious? Get it out of the cloud... And begin asking the Spirit to open it up for you. To where you can clearly see what is the thing that's driving me crazy right now. So that you can pray specifics on what's happening. And if you can't see it, you know what? A brother can. If you can't see it and you're stuck, you'll go get somebody who can help you walk through it. To call it out what it is, to be able to pray on that. And then, to get to the power... The power is in the gratitude. is to say, God, I can see this thing going on, but I see you at work. And with all my heart, I can hold on that I am thankful of what's happening. And it's in that that you begin to see something happen, to experience the miracle of the peace that transcends understanding. And when that happens, man, that's magic. That's money. That is the miracle. And the more that happens... For you, inside of you, you begin to confess, God, I am anxious, but I'm moving in this direction to become a man of faith. And 
as a younger man, I always got excited, almost giddy about, I've got peace that transcends understanding. Wow, this is great. But the more I, as I mature, the Lord, the thing that motivates me more, is what is the benefit of the peace that surpasses understanding? It will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You know what? I need a shield around me. The enemy wants to take me out, my family out, my business, everything that would pose a threat. And that process, the confession of this, moving me to this, guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That, this this morning, I'm just sharing with you a little bit of how I process with things. This is one element for me of how I go through this type of thing. I don't know where you're at with as a man of the word, but it takes time. Is it hard to be disciplined, to memorize, to get it, to learn? I don't memorize scripture. Well, figure it out, guys. However you do it, get in a group. Find it out. Work on it with your kids. Get on the treadmill. Whatever that is. But whatever, what happens is, is you find yourself suddenly one day when the temptation or trial or avalanche comes that you can respond in the same way that Jesus did. In the moment of weakness from fasting and everything. That you're at your end. You know what I'm talking about. Where you can simply respond with, it is written. And the power of the Word of God comes and guards you to where you can then truly experience his peace. So, um, guys, there's a lot of other stuff, but we're at our end of our time. Thanks to Brady. Oh, just kidding. Sorry. Um, again, this really is just me opening up how the Lord used his word and his spirit prompted me with these questions when I faced these difficulties throughout my year. This really is my story. I would challenge you guys to say, are these the questions related to these categories? And then, almost more importantly, how is the spirit providing you counsel in those areas? What are the scriptures that come to your mind when you think about peace or perspective? Or the definitions of what God thinks about your production. Finally, I want to leave this with you guys. This circle, and again, this is still, this whole idea, this is 48 hours old, guys. Imagine in four months. Oh my. It's a book. Russell's got a book. Big surprise. Alright. This grid is a threefold circle. Um, and the three words that I want to go with this in terms of just your leadership is that this outward circle is a part of this process. Is we all desire to have impact. Now impact comes through your story. It comes through testimony. It, becomes, it comes through the, your reputation. I mean, God uses that but I don't have a relationship with all you guys here in this room. Some of you guys have never met before. I have no way to know what impact this little time 
will have on where you're at. I hope you're encouraged. But all of us have an impact that's beyond what our relationships are. You guys track with that? As we get closer with people, particularly in this case, brothers, we begin to move from impact to a closer circle of influence. And influence requires a level of openness, vulnerability, but that's where the real depth and meat starts to come together, is in influence. You guys are men, you're leaders, God's given you influence. Your influence is going to only grow, not with better education, not with more knowledge, even of the word, honestly. But it's going to come through what's here in the center. And I just titled it, I may change the wording, The Power of His Presence. What happened there with the dad and the son and the miracle that happened is that God's presence was evident. This isn't some leadership guru show that's going to go some charismatic guy. It, your gifting as leaders is because God's given it to you for a reason. It is for His glory. Amen? This isn't the Russell show this morning. This isn't the Brady show this morning. It is for His glory. God's given you influence for a reason with your wife, your children, and your work, and beyond for a reason. It is for His glory. The miracles that He wants to do in your life is for His glory. And we're a part of that story. The benefit to you from fear to faith, miracles are going to happen. Thank the Lord. But the word that I want to leave you with, which isn't very comfortable for any man, is the word intimacy. Is that your understanding, most all of us are blockheads in the room because we're men, but yet God has called us into intimate relationship with Him. We get a picture of that with our wives. The healthier we are with our wives, that has a tendency to overflow and overflow. If I can bring it all the way back down to the great commandment is what? Yeah. That's right. We got that. We know, we know it. And then Jesus, right before he leaves, he's talking to his guys and says, A new commandment I give you to what? Love what? Love one another as I as love you. There's an interesting pattern in the scripture in the scriptures. Love as I have loved you. Most of us know 1 Corinthians 1. Comfort. Why? Because in the way that I have comforted you. Also a couple places in the scriptures. Lead in the way that you have been led. The intimate relationship that you have with the Lord, to whatever that is today, is an overflow into all your relationships. Starting with the people that you care about most. You want to love your wife? Love Jesus first. From that, you will be able to just see miracles happen in your marriages. Love Jesus? You're going to end up being able to father. Let the father father you you're going to be the most amazing father to your kids. 
and then beyond. Intimacy impacts your influences and then to impact. But it starts with relationship. Guys, this morning, if you don't remember anything, somewhere in here you got to mark where you're at. This really is a confession of just, God, I'm here, I want to move there. Why do I want to move here? Is because I want to see the miraculous. Not for just to put on a show like we're at a circus. I want your kingdom expanded and I want you glorified. Are we all in on that today? Absolutely. So this is part one of a five-part talk. So uh, Russell, you know, you bit off more than you can chew, and I know that. So, But I challenge you guys to take this and do whatever you want with it. But more than anything, how many of you guys are hungry? How many of you like to eat? Leave this room today. Chew on the Word of God like you've never done before. And watch what God does in your life. All right? Okay, let me pray. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for these brothers, just the fact that they're here. They are leaders, and so I pray a blessing over them and their influence and their impact. But today I pray that you would bring it home to their intimate relationship with you. God, whatever is keeping them from being close with you, I just pray you would raise that up to the surface where they can speak it out, confess it, be healed. And Lord, let your redemptive work take over in these guys' lives. I thank you for these brothers. They're a blessing to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Was that fun? Fun for me. See ya.